0: Welcome to the Queen's Church Sermon Podcast. Our church is being built on two vision statements Jesus is our passion, and love is our mission. We hope this message leads you to Jesus, and that next week you'll join us in person to experience God's love through this local church. You can follow us online at qns.church. This morning, I want to continue our series entitled Portrait. Now, for those of you who have been here, this is going to be a repeat, but just like that song, sometimes we've got to be convinced that this is not um, a sermon that Jesus preached in order to give us more laws that we need to follow, right? Jesus was coming, and he came to fulfill the law, and he said, when you follow me, this is who you become. This is a portrait of a true follower of Jesus. That's his Sermon on the Mount. That's the main idea of it. And today, we come to this passage after having gone through um, two types of ways that we respond to God. The first way uh, was many weeks ago, we talked about giving to the needy. And then the next way we talked about was through prayer. We spent several weeks on prayer. We did the Lord's Prayer, if you remember. Um, both of those had this same theme. When you give to the needy, don't sound a trumpet so that everyone else around you can hear you, right? Give to the needy what? In secret. He says, don't even let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Then when it comes to prayer, Jesus says almost the same thing. When you pray, don't stand on the corners of the street saying your fancy words as if that's going to get my attention. Instead, when you pray, do what? Pray in secret. And in both of those, God says something that sometimes is uncomfortable for us to talk about. He says, for when I reward you, I will reward you in secret. As I'm reading this passage today, pay attention to how he ends this one. This is Matthew chapter 6, verse 16 through 18. If you didn't bring your Bible or you don't have the Bible app, you can check it out on the screen as well. Jesus says this And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces so that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, so that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will, what? Reward you. We can get uncomfortable talking about the rewards that God gives us. And there's good reason for that, right? Because if you've been around church at all before, you know, at least a church like Queen Church, that we preach something that is salvation by grace through faith alone. Like there's nothing that you and me can do to earn what God has done for us. He did it because he loves us. And all we can do is just respond by trusting in him. So it's difficult for us, a people who says that everything that we have that's good just comes to us by grace, to say that there's actually something we could do to earn a reward. See the contradiction there? But let's break break it down like this. Um, Do any of you love vending machines in the same way that my kids do? (laughs) Do your kids love vending machines too? Because I don't know about you, every time we go past trade fair... Um, up here on 30th Avenue, every time we turn the corner, what do they turn around and ask me? Do you have a quarter? Do you have a quarter? Who's got kids or grandkids? They're always asking, you got a quarter? Yeah. A dollar? And now, of course, it used to be, um, no, I don't, I don't have any change. Sorry, I don't have any dollar bills. But now some of them take credit cards, right? <laughs> like, now nah, I got you, Dad. This one takes Visa. <laughs> but a, a vending machine is a, is a simple concept. You put money in, you get something out. Unless, of course, you know, it gets stuck and then you got to mess with it or whatever. Um, I, won't, I won't say who I know who did this, but in high school, we discovered that, you know, one of our vending machines, like, was in, the Cokes were within reach of, maybe if you, if you did, went your head, I don't, it wasn't me. But some people discovered that if you reached your hand down in there, you could, like, reach up and get something. For free. But I, the, under, the concept is you put money in and you get something out, right? Said the guy who got his hand stuck in the... No, I really didn't get my hand stuck in. <clears throat> but I do confess I have stolen something from a vending machine before. Uh, anybody else want to join me in that? Yeah? Okay. There's a few. Um, but vending machines are simple. Put something in, get something out. And before we jump into the meat of this sermon this, this morning, I want us to compare vending machine faith... Versus relational faith. Because sometimes I fear that we treat God like a vending machine. We say, God, I'm gonna come to you at church, or I'm gonna come to you with my giving, or I'm gonna come to you by doing kind things for other people. And what I want from you in exchange is something, a reward. I'm gonna deposit something good into you, God, and I want you to give me something good back. Has anyone else ever been like that, or is it just me? Like, God, and you know when this is really exposed in me most? It's when something goes wrong in my life, and then I feel like, but I put in all that good stuff. Why is something going wrong? When I put in money, I should receive good things. So it's exposed in us when something bad happens, or something goes wrong in our life. But God isn't like a vending machine. and so we have to caution ourselves before we jump into learning about His rewards, that we learn that God wants a relational faith, not a vending machine faith. Relational faith is when we come to God to for the sole purpose of, listen, being with Him. He doesn't want us to come to Him to get things. He wants us to come to Him to be in His presence to be with Him. These songs that we sing, right, that take us into the presence of God, the Holy Spirit rests on us and we sing the praises, we join with the angels in heaven. Danny uh, talked to our serve team this morning, that's another thing you get if you join serve team, you get like an extra lesson on top of the sermon. Happens before service. And he talked to us about how when someone repents, when they turn away from their sin and they come to Jesus, the heavens throw a party, right? And that's what we're doing, we're joining with that party. And the point of that worship is not that when we do that, in the back of our mind, we're thinking, God, I expect something from you in return for this. Instead, it's God, I want to be in your presence. I want to be with you. I want to rest because you are the way maker. You have done miracles in my life. And even though, you might have to say this this morning, even though I don't feel like there's a miracle going on right now, I'm trusting you that you have miracles in store. And the truth is that if you are breathing this morning, God is working miracles in your life. Do you know that everything that has breath is being sustained by God on purpose? If you have breath in your lungs, God wants you here. It's not an accident. That's why we say God has big plans for you. Because if he didn't have any plan for you, you'd be gone. So, with that as our mindset, right? We're gonna we're gonna read. Uh, sorry, we're gonna um, look into this passage, but remembering that when we talk about the reward, we're talking about God Himself is the reward, not I'm gonna come to you and then give me something in return. Cool. Okay. So this idea of fasting. Let me just define it real fast for us. Ready? Fasting is setting aside food or drink for the purpose of being in God's presence. Simple as that. Now, um, I learned this week, uh, we have a blog up on the website. If you want to learn some more technical stuff about fasting that I won't cover in the sermon, I put that up um, on the website. Just go to the blog and you can find it or click on social media. And uh, there's some ways that you could learn to fast and you can practice a fast, which is going to be a challenge at the end of the sermon. But there's three types of fasts that are mentioned in the Bible. There's either a everything fast, where people fasted from food, all food, and all water. I don't suggest doing that one for long. Right? You need, some, you need something after three days. So if you're going to do that one, consult your physician. Physician. That sounds weird coming out, but physician. Um, the second type of fast is from only food, but you still drink water. Right? These are the long fasts in the Bible. Jesus did one like that one time. Anybody know how long? 40 days. He fasted from food for 40 days. He only drank water. And the third type of fast is most commonly referred to as the Daniel fast. You guys familiar with this one? This is where you fast from certain types of food for a specific purpose. You can go just Google Daniel fast and you can go and look at that. That's not for today. Those are the three types of fast that are talked about in scripture. All of them have this main idea though. The idea is you're giving these things up these things that your body wants and needs for the purpose of being in God's presence, all right? Fasting is about seeking God in a unique way because we don't do it every day, right? It's a unique way under unique circumstances. So we fast when something is going on around us that is unique, out of the ordinary. And I want to talk about three things that fasting does for us three rewards that we get for fasting. You ready? <clears throat> the first one is this. Fasting fixes our focus. Fasting fixes our focus. Fasting helps us focus on the giver, not the gift. So in thinking about the vending machine that we just talked about, right? It's very easy for many of us because we are fallen human beings, to get obsessed with the gifts that God gives us. The gifts that are good. It's not that the gifts are bad, but we can become worshipers of the gifts. And that, that word in scripture, you'll know it, is called idolizing it, right? When we take something that God gave us and we turn it into something we worship, we have made it into an idol. And so fasting helps us fix our focus on the giver of the gift, not the gift, uh, kids are not good at this at Christmas time. <laughs> I don't know, you guys give gifts at Christmas time? Um, uh, and some of us are not, too. I shouldn't just throw kids under the bus. But, right, you, someone gives you a gift, and most of us are going to say thank you to that person and honor that person and, and love them for that. But sometimes we get distracted with how good the gift is that we forget to even say thank you. Fasting helps us reorient ourselves there. Let's read this story in Luke. Um, Jesus gives us an illustration. Here in Luke chapter 14, if you want to go there. In Luke chapter 14, Jesus gives us a window into what happens when you start idolizing the gift. When you're focused on the gift and you forsake the giver. Listen to what the Bible says in Luke chapter 14. And I'll start in verse 16. What's happened so far is, we're picking up in the middle of the story, but Jesus is hanging out at a Pharisee's house. And as he often does when he's at Pharisee's houses, he's making enemies. (laughs) Jesus made a lot of enemies because he told them things the way they should be, which was often not the way they were doing it. And this is the story that he tells. So picking up in verse 16, he says, Jesus said to him, a man once gave a great banquet and he invited many people. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, come for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first one said to him, I have bought a field and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I am going to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. He didn't want to be excused. Apparently. (laughs) Listen, so the story goes on and, and the, the master says to the, um, uh, to the servant, fine, go to the streets and just start inviting people. And specifically, go to the poor and go to the widows. Bring them in. And then there's still room. So he says, just go and start shouting it from the street corners. There's a the party. And so they bring in and they fill up the party with other people that were not invited. But the point I want us to focus on here today is that these distractions were not evil. What were the distractions? Let's list them. There was new land, right? This guy just bought a plot of land. I have, to go, I have to go check it out. I got to go tend to my land. That's not bad. It's not bad to own land. It's not evil. He says, the other one says, I just got some new oxen and I need to go tend to them. Okay, oxen need to get taken care of. I don't know how you take care of your oxen, but he needed to do it that day. And the last one said, I have a new wife and I need to go be with her. Again, nothing anyone would argue with, right? So the point is not that Jesus says land and oxen and wives are bad. That's not what Jesus is saying. What he's saying is that these good things, land, oxen, wives, fill in the blank with anything in your life, these good things were replacing their desire to be in the presence of the party. What we have to understand in our relationship with God is that we can't let the gifts that God gives us distract us from partying with the one who gave us the gifts. It's almost as if Jesus is saying to these people listening and to us today, hey, God's got a party and it's open to anyone. And by the way, you're actually on the invite list. So if you'll just set down your toys and stop being distracted with them, I'd be happy to welcome you and host you like you know that I can. And I wonder how many times in our lives we get distracted with what's in front of us. And, you know, we're just trudging away at our job and we're trudging away at our relationship, even though we keep hitting roadblocks with the people in front of us. And we're frustrated in our parenting and we're frustrated in our friendships. And we're just hitting our head against the wall. And the whole time, what God is calling for you and me to do is to look up, like just get out of the stupor. The psalmists say it like this, awake, O sleeper. It's, in, it's all throughout the Psalms. What it means is, like, snap out of it. Look up. God is the giver, and he has a party. You're invited. You're on the list. Come on in. But in order to come in, you've got to get, you get off of the things that are distracting you. You've got to stop focusing on the gift. So fasting is a way that we can reorient ourselves and be reminded that it's not the gift that we praise, It's the good father who gave the gift. If it's difficult for you to sing the song that we sing here sometimes, you are a good, good father. Because you feel like God hasn't given you any good gifts, I encourage you to take the challenge of doing a fast. Because fasting has a unique biblical way of fixing our focus. You might be reminded during that fast of the things that God has given you and the ways they've been distracting you from him. So fasting fixes our focus. Fasting also, though, sets you apart. Do you know that when God mentions holiness in respect to Christians, he says that he justifies us and he makes us holy. What he's actually saying, in essence, is, I'm setting you apart from everyone else. You are to be otherworldly. You're a different creature. I'm going to set you apart. See, what fasting can do is remind us of this truth that we are set apart. Fasting reminds us that our citizenship is not in, our citizenship is not on earth. Now, we live in a country where citizenship is heralded as the pinnacle of all the world, right? After all, we are in the country that's number one. We're always winning. Hugely, bigly winning. No matter what. We're always winning. Because this is America. Amen? You don't have to say amen to that. That was, that was a joke. <laughs> but that's what we're taught. That's what we feel. like. Citizenship is a big deal for us. And I don't mean to just... I'm not denouncing my citizenship as an American. But what I'm saying is... As a believer and a follower of Jesus, we have a citizenship that is over our citizenship to this nation. Our citizenship is in heaven. We are seated in the heavenly places with God the Father and Jesus Christ his Son. That's where our citizenship lies. Fasting can help remind us that we are set apart. We are a new creation. The old has passed away. And behold, the new has come. And with this newness comes holiness, comes justification. It means that you have been made right with your Father. Fasting sets you apart. It is a declaration that we are different. And I want you to get into the meat of this with me real quick. This is, uh, this is, this is what Jesus is teaching when he says these strange things that you might have um, caught on to. He says... Don't look gloomy like the hypocrites. He says, fix your face. Right? (laughs) What do they do? They disfigure their faces. Then he says, anoint your head and wash your face. Now, this doesn't mean you have to go buy anointing oil and anoint your head every time you fast. Um, What it means is, uh, the most literal translation of this would be, wash your hair and wash your face and go about your day. Wash your hair, wash your face, and go about your day. What the Pharisees did in this day, right? They were taking something good, fasting, and they were turning it into a god, to an idol. And what they did was, they said, fasting isn't enough for my personal life. It's only enough when everybody else knows I'm doing it. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make myself look a little little disheveled. Like, I mess up my hair. Now, if I walked in this morning like this, what's the first thing you would say to me, Anka? She said, when was the last time you ate? (laughs) Yeah, she's automatically concerned for me, right? If I walked in like that, you would think something was wrong. Did Did you not sleep last night? Is your family sick? Well, yeah, actually, a couple of them are sick. That's why they're not here today. The Pharisees did that to make a point. The Pharisees would mess up their hair, they wouldn't clean themselves, and they would dishevel their clothes so that as they walked around sad, pathetic faces, people would say, oh, are you okay? And they would say, it's all right, I'm fasting. And Jesus says, when you do that, this is a harsh warning. He said, when you do that, guess what? Got your reward. That's it. I hope that's what you really wanted. Because you're not getting the reward you get when you fast with a true heart. You got your reward. What, what, what? I didn't get anything. Yeah, you did. That person knows you're fasting. And that's all you get. That's vending machine faith. You understand that? They put all that in. That That was their coins. They put it in the vending machine and someone said, Oh, okay, I hope you have a good fast. That's it. God says, I will not meet you there. I am not coming to you if that's how you fast. What what an intense caution. You can completely discount your fast if you choose to do it for the purpose of others seeing you. Now, I bet if I said, let's do a church fast and let's go for two or three days or whatever, um, some of you would join on. And I bet none of you would stop washing your hair, or stop getting dressed, or even make sad faces. So how about we cautiously, maybe with eggshells, I might need to walk on this one. What if we put this into today's terms? What if Jesus said it like this? And when you fast, do not post on social media that you are fasting Truly, I tell you, those thumbs ups are your reward. What Jesus is saying here is that when we treat God like a vending machine, you're not getting Him. You're just getting praise of men. And do you really want to live for the praise of men? It's so cheap. It's so cheap. Listen, church. Fasting sets us apart. It reminds us whose we are. We have a new calling, a new citizenship. It's higher than this citizenship. We are seated with Christ in the heavens. You are a new creation, created in Christ Jesus for good works. He loves you and cares for you, and fasting can help set you apart. I know that we can easily become addicted to the praise of men, and that is why it's so important to fast in secret. So important to fast in secret. And the final thing I'll say about that point is a public fast is a useless fast. It's useless. Third point. Fasting changes your perspective. Ultimately, fasting is about the eternal approval of God. And guess what? You have that not by your works you have that because of what jesus has done this is our reward when we fast you ready for it that we gain a glimpse of a part of god that we never knew before you can gain a glimpse of a part of god that you never knew before when you choose to fast That is what God meant when he said at the very end, your father who sees in secret will reward you. How do I know this is true? Look back. uh, You can go to the blog there and look at the different passages I link there. Look back at what happened when people fasted. In scripture, when people fasted, God moved. He showed up in big ways. Sometimes they fasted because they didn't know who in the church was a leader and they needed to call some people and send them out as missionaries. So they would gather together and pray and fast. And God would send them a person. And that person would be prayed over and sent out. And that person would plant churches and people would get saved, sometimes by the thousands, because they prayed and fasted. God showed them the right person. Sometimes, like when Daniel fasted with his people, what God showed them was that he is the true king. You see, because what happened in the Daniel story was they were supposed to be eating the feast every day like the rest of these soldiers. And Daniel said, listen, this is against our religious beliefs. Could we eat only what we say? And listen, let it go on for a little while. And if we're not stronger and better looking than them when it's over— We'll go back to eating your stuff. That's a bold statement, right? But Daniel knew that when you fast, it fixes your focus on God and it sets you apart and it changes your perspective. So Daniel knew that if he and his men started fasting and praying after God, that God would show up and give them a glimpse of who he really was. And at the end of the fast, Daniel's men looked better and all the soldiers had to go on that diet. (laughs) You see, because when we fast, God shows up. And when God shows up, we see him in a different light. One of the things that I love to do when I get the chance, which isn't often here in New York City, but um, is to go hiking. Any of you in here like hiking as well? Some of my friends think it's ludicrous. Like, you just want to go walk around (laughs) in the woods? What's the purpose well, one of the purposes for me is that I find, I find mountains fascinating. I love being in the mountains. I love to ski, I love to camp, and I love to hike. And when you hike a mountain, you get a totally different perspective of the mountain than you had before. So through a partnership that we have with a church in the U.S. Virgin Islands, which is over uh, on St. John, so near St. Thomas, St. Croix, St. John's the little one. And on that island is a um, Several hundred acres of natural forest. They've preserved it. So there's no resorts. There's no um, private beaches. It's just forest land. And you can roam. A few years ago, I was there with some uh, other missionaries, and we were doing a basketball camp for the kids on the island of St. John, working with this local church. And we had the morning off on the last day. And uh, someone who had been before invited me and my son Micah to go on a hike with them. And I have some pictures from this hike that I wanna show you. We were going on this hike. There's Micah right there. Uh, that is as dangerous as it looks. Um, that's a long, Lindsay wasn't happy about that picture when I showed her that one. That's a, it's a pretty big fall, but he's farther from the edge than you think. You see, we started to hike this place called Ram Head. All right, you can, you can just uh, scroll to the next one every couple of seconds. Um, that's looking straight down at the water, about, about 60 feet down off this rocky ledge. And you know, I had seen Ram Head before from like another section of the island. You can see it, it juts way out into the water. So I could see Ram Head, this place who hiked. And I thought I knew what it looked like. And I thought I I had an idea of what it would feel like when I went over there. But then I started hiking and I started getting all these new angles to see it from, right? And our spiritual journey is a lot like a hike. You can stay on the pictures for now. It's a lot like a hike. And as you walk with God, it's like you're walking along a trail and you're seeing all these new things, right? You might come across a ravine. Has anybody ever been through a valley or a ravine in your spiritual life before? (laughs) You've been through the valley, but guess what? Sometimes you come through the valley and you look back and you go... Maybe you go number one, wow, I was way down deeper than I thought I was. But number two, you can look back and say, thank you, God, that you gave me, you gave me the resources I needed to get out of that valley. Thank you, God. So your, your spiritual life is like a journey. But see, after a while I took the drone up and you see this pers- those pictures didn't look like that, right? I mean, you're seeing all new angles you can see the waves crashing. It, it's, in, it's in motion, right? Look, there's Micah and the friend that we went hiking with, <laughs> sitting on the edge. It totally transforms the way that you see Ramhead when I take you up from a drone. And your spiritual journey is like a hike. And you get to see all kinds of things that God shows you, the valleys, the, the ups, the downs, the dangerous places. But what I want us to see through through fasting is that even though we're on that hike with God, God has given us, as a gift, a unique way to experience Him. God has given us, if you will, a drone. And He said, hey, sometimes in unique circumstances, take this up. Because I got more of me to show you. And you're not going to see it on the hike. So my question to you is, what are you missing of God because you're not fasting sometimes? And I'll be honest with you guys, you ready for this? I'm your pastor, right? I fasted this past week for the first time in eight years. Eight years. So this, is so this is not something I'm teaching you because like I got this down and I have really experienced that a lot. It's something that God has convicted me about as I'm studying this and he's saying, listen, Larry, there is a perspective of me that I have, it's here and you're hiking around when I've given you the controls to this drone and I've shown you how to do it. Don't do it for men. Don't do it by, by, uh, by uh, wanting praise from others. Do it in secret. Come to me. Give up food. Give up a certain type of food. Give up water. Because I have more of me to show you. So my question to you is, what does God have in store for you that you're not seeing because you're not fasting? I think we as a church should wrestle with that. That's why. <clears throat> the first next step that I have for you this morning. You ready? You know what it's going to be already, right? Plan a fast and do it. There's three types that are right there in the Bible and then, you know, people take it and go with it. Some people fast from social media, from TV. Um, Those are not bad. But I would encourage you to, to try it the biblical way first. Pick certain types of food. Or drinks that you want to fast from for a period. You choose the period before you start. 24 hours, three days, whatever. Maybe you just want to fast from from breakfast one morning. You say, like, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna jump in head first because I feel like I'm sitting on a cliff right now and I don't want to get hurt. So I'm gonna stick my toe in. You're just gonna fast breakfast. That's okay. Because what God is teaching us through his scripture is. I've given you fasting as a gift, and I have things to show you, but you got to do it. So the first next step is, I hope that each of us in this room will plan a fast and then change your viewpoint. Plan a fast and let God change your viewpoint. The second next step might be for some of us in this room um, who need to thank God for the gifts in our life. You know, that, that second point, if that was getting you, you're like, man, you know what? I feel like I've been treating God like a vending machine and I'm getting gifts from Him and I'm just focusing on the gifts. I haven't spent time to praise the Creator, the giver of the gifts. Maybe you need to spend some time right now in prayer. Don't leave this room without thanking God for the gifts that He gave. You have a place you could write down notes, jot a few of them down. Some of us will be up here in a moment ready to receive you in prayer. Maybe you just want to come up and say, hey, I actually don't need you to pray for me today. I just want to say out loud what I'm thankful for because I don't want to keep it in. Feel free to come and do that. And the final next step is for those of you in the room who may be saying to me right now, I don't even know what the hike is like. (laughs) What are you talking about? See God. What do you mean relationship with the Father? If that's you this morning and you're wondering, how can these people say they have a relationship with God? How have they said that, that being in a relationship with him is like on a hike where they see things of his and they recognize his gifts? I invite you to come this morning and to trust Jesus. A relationship with God starts with a step of faith. You can't have that journey without first stepping out and trusting in Jesus. And that's because Jesus is the only one who has access to the Father. You see, our access was broken when we stepped into sin, our pride, our anger, our lusts of the flesh, our greed. These things have blocked us from this journey. And Jesus reached his hand out and he came to us and he died a perfect, sinless death. And when he rose from the grave, he didn't say, all right, guys, I'm out, good luck. He said, come to me, trust in me, and I will show you things you never imagined. In fact, he told a woman one time, you come to me and I will give you water that is eternal life flowing in you even to others. So maybe this morning, your next step is to come forward to one of our prayer team members and say, I'm not on the hike yet. I need to start the hike. I want to trust Jesus. We'll be happy to receive you and to to tell you about how you can do that. But the truth is, you already did when you say it out loud. So I'm going to pray and then I invite you to come and respond how God is calling you. Step out in faith today. Get a new perspective. Commit to a fast. Commit to trusting God. Thank you, Jesus, for the ways that you have shown us who you are. Thank you that, God, we can look at these pictures and we we can understand how our relationship with you is like a journey. It's like a hike where we have low times and high times, valleys and mountaintops. Father, I pray that you would remind us today that that's not all you have for us, that you have even more in store if we will only look to you and trust you through a fast. We love you and praise you. We pray that your spirit would move as it already is and that people would have courage and boldness to come forward to receive prayer and to trust you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.